Sounding Third, the official podcast of the Nashville Sounds. On the field, off the field, Rounding Third takes you inside Nashville Sounds baseball. Here's your host, Jeff Hemm. Welcome to another edition of Rounding Third, the Nashville Sounds podcast. It's Jeff Hem here with you from First Tennessee Park. Today on the podcast, we go behind the scenes with Sounds Manager Jason Wood. Woody, thank you for joining me on the podcast here. I know you just love to talk about yourself. You are grimacing as I speak about uh, doing this, but I do think it's fun to get a little bit different side of you in this kind of a setting because, you know, you join me every Monday during the season for our weekly interviews. And that's always about other guys and about the team and about players, and, and that's the big part of your role. But I think a lot of fans will enjoy getting to know a little bit more about you. Uh, so first of all, as we tape this, you are sitting on 599 career victories. Uh, you're looking at me, you didn't know that. I did not know that. It's, uh, no, I had no idea. Okay. That's, uh, that's very interesting. It's, it, it seemed like... Uh, I think it was two or three. About I think it was two years ago when um, I, I got 500 in Round Rock. So, wow, 599. Um, well, let's get this one tonight. <laughs> well, we're breaking news to you. That's great. So yeah, you're sitting on 599. Your first year as a manager, 2011 at Myrtle Beach. Think back to that time when you're going into your first year as a manager, only a couple of years removed from playing. What do you remember about the 2011 soon-to-be manager, Jason Wood? You know, it's. It, it goes back a long way. I, when I got done playing and the long playing career that I had of 18 years and most of that spent in the minor leagues, I, I was so in tune and, and loved the game so much. It's obviously what I knew and what I, what I did for such a long time that when I was done playing, I wanted to coach. I wanted to stay in the game and, and be a part of it, get back to the major leagues as a coach, and that's still that, that desire and admiration that I, that I do have. But. Uh, Getting back to your question and managing my first year in Myrtle Beach, what to expect was, you know, the sense of what am I going to do? This is really my club now. It's not where I'm just a piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, this is this is my club that I'm overseeing. And, and I was fortunate enough to have a good group of kids that uh, that had uh, that were taught the right way how to play the game uh, coming up to the system. So um, very excited. Uh, was very fortunate enough to to earn a first half win there in Myrtle Beach and be able to uh, to go to the playoffs and, and do some good things there. So just a fun year and, and, and that was the start of it all, man. It was just really cool to just to get to get my own team and to, to be a part of uh, something special. Somewhere along the line, I would think, because managers in the minor leagues and you're one of them, coach third base, did you practice like in front of the mirror giving signs as that was something that you then had to start doing? Well, that's, that's, the, that's the funny thing is I didn't have to, to practice that because Prior to managing, I was a hitting coach in our, with our Bakersfield Class A affiliate for two years, and uh, I was a hitting coach under Steve Bouchelle, who uh, obviously you know worked for they know worked for the worked for the Rangers and still does, and, and Bill Hasselman. So they allowed me to coach third base a lot, quite often. They like to do a lot of things from the dugout, so I got the opportunity to coach first base and coach third base, um, and I had ton of ton of practice at it in spring training as well before the season started. So. That was something that I, I still to this day really look forward to and, and enjoy doing each and every night. So being um, uh, nervous about that, I had, like I said, I had a little bit of experience going into it. You're, you're very passionate about your job. You, you want the team to win every single day, but you're also in a lot of ways just very laid back, very easy guy to be around. Is that a, was that, I guess, back in 2011 maybe, 
Was that a conscious decision to try to have that kind of tone around? As you say, it was going to be your club. You wanted to be known as a manager who's not, you know, loaded with rules, pretty easy guy to play for. Yeah, that's, you know, I played for a lot of different managers coming up, and there was only a couple guys who were really, really tough. And what I mean by tough is the uh, fact that it was miserable coming to the ballpark a, a few times. And I, I didn't want I didn't want that to be um, a problem with any of my players. I wanted them to know that, uh, yes, I was at the helm. I was in charge. Um, we were going to do things the right way. But in the meantime, we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to work hard and, and, and enjoy one another. Uh, I think I've said it before, and I say it to each and every one of these teams that I have, is I want each and every one of these guys to enjoy themselves when they walk through that clubhouse every day, knowing that um, their skipper has got their back, um, is looking out for their best interests in each and every way, but yet is still going to hold them accountable for the way they play the game. And so I try to get my point across early in the year is about playing the game the right way, playing it the way it's supposed to be played, um, not showing anybody up, but just going out there and being true professionals because you're getting paid to, to play a game that you absolutely love. But we're going to respect the game. Um, that's always been my message, and it always will be. Um, I keep my door open and allow everybody and get to know each and every one of these players, you know, like they are my son, and I, I truly enjoy that. So um, it's just something that I – it's just, just a foundation that I set when I started uh, to become a manager. I wanted to be a player's manager. As you mentioned, you played for 18 years. You got to the big leagues. You had parts of a few different seasons in the major leagues, a lot of AAA time. What are some things that you, as you think back about your playing days, that you're most proud of or that, that, that are sort of top of mind for you when you think back to your times as a player? Uh, I guess going later into my career, I'll start there and work my way back, but going later into my career, I, I, I think what I really took pride in is, is having younger guys come to me and ask me certain questions, not only about the game itself, but about the league, the Pacific Coast League that I was in for such a long time. or. Um, did I do certain things right each and every night? So um, it was more like a father figure as I got older uh, into this game. And I think I give a lot of credit to just being able to play the game the right way and, and go about it the way I wanted to each and every day. And, and guys, peers, who are the most important players or the most important people on a team, your peers, they really respected that. Um, and, and so I think give credit to just doing that, basically. That had to have had a lot to do with your longevity, too. I mean, you know how this works at AAA. As guys get a little bit older and they're looking for a role in an organization, that, that matters. Organizations want to know, what this, what's this guy like if we're going to put him around some prospects in a clubhouse? Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you want a guy, you're looking for a guy at, at the AAA level and that can post up every day and that, uh, that does well around uh, each and every one of these young talents and prospects that you do have. So you want a guy that goes out there and plays plays the right way, posts up every day and is willing to, to get after it. And I think that's something that I did as, as I came to the ballpark. I didn't necessarily need to know where I was, uh, where I was going to play that day, but just knowing that I was in the lineup somewhere was happy for me. Um, and it was it was just a daily routine where you come to the ballpark and you had your routines and you got ready for the game each and every night. And um, you post up every day and, and it was well respected by the teammates. Part of your big league time was in 99 with the Tigers. You had 27 games. And then looking at your years by years, uh, you did not get back to the big leagues again until 2006. So what did that 06 call up mean? Was it emotional for you just knowing those years in between? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was <laughs> it's funny you ask. That was the, one of the most special moments in my career because I was playing in Albuquerque at the time um, in 06. And, I'd gotten to the point to where I was 36, year old, 36 years old at the time, 
I spent a lot of time, and I didn't necessarily know if I was going to get back to the big leagues. I was still putting up good numbers in Albuquerque, which isn't too hard to do. Um, but that was uh, that was something that I, you know, I didn't know what else I could do. I, I was hitting home runs. I was driving in runs. I was I was playing every day. Uh, I was talking to my wife and and my daughters, and it was time to possibly move on and, and maybe start a new career. You know, whether that be into coaching or whatever that may be. So. We came in September, the very late of August, and I, I made a point to uh, talk with my wife and told her that this was going to be it. You know, this was it. So, she actually surprised me in Albuquerque uh, the last weekend of the year. Showed up, uh, was going to see my last game. Well, the day that she showed up, I happened to get a phone call from my manager, Dean Trainer, at the time. He called me into his office and said, "Listen." You're not done yet. You're going to the big leagues. Wow. They're calling you up. Joe Girardi needs a bat off the bench in Florida. You're going to the big leagues. Very emotional time for myself and, of course, my wife um, because that was almost like a resurrection to get yeah. me back into playing and, and what it did. So that was a special moment in my career. Yeah, I, I got goosebumps from that one. I can't imagine. I mean, how do you deal with the emotions? And when you get up there, you put that jersey on, and then you're thinking, I got a job to do here. I can't get too caught up in this. <laughs> it's it's another funny story too. Is is that night that I got called up? At the night that I arrived in Miami, got off the plane, got it, got into Joe Robbie Stadium at about six thirty. Put on a uniform. It was very emotional. Sit there on the bench that night and watch Anibal Sanchez throw a no hitter against Arizona Diamondbacks wow. at that time. So there was a lot of uh, great memories that went on um, in September of '06, and it started there. But uh, it was re really nice to get back on the field, the big league field, for sure. You've been in the game long enough. You know a lot of different people. I know one connection of yours is a guy who was the manager of the Sounds recently, Ryan Christensen, who's now the bench coach uh, for the A's. You guys played together, what, at Edmonton and then again in Albuquerque, probably somewhere in between as well. What, what do you uh, remember about your, your days going back with Rhino? Well, it started. Rhino and I started, uh, I think I was two years older than him coming up through this to the Oakland A's system. Um, two very similar type um, attitudes and I guess characteristics. I, I really give a lot of credit and I know Ryan will just do the same thing as to the way we were brought up in this game of baseball at the Oakland A's system and the likes of Keith Lippman and the way they do things in player development there. Uh, completely give a lot of credit to how that's how my career has gone and Ryan and I came up together in spring training a few times and um, just were Guys from California who just knew how to play the game of baseball and loved how to play it, and we ended up playing together in Edmonton. I think won a championship in Edmonton together. He was always a just a hard-nosed playing outfielder that could run and bunt and do some things at the top of the lineup. And I was a guy to drive him in. I mean, I was a guy in the middle of the middle of the lineup to play the infield, and he was on base, and it was my job to drive him in. So we had a fantastic relationship, well-respected um, relationship about each other, and, and it showed when we played against each other and managed against each other in this game. You know how it is. People on the outside of this world love to know about what it's like on the inside. And in the Pacific Coast League, uh, they then learn it's no, not nearly as luxurious as they might think it is from a travel standpoint. A lot of early mornings, uh, few bus rides, but mostly a lot of flights and early mornings. And, and that's now. You were in this league as a player in the Edmonton days and in Calgary in 2002. What was Pacific Coast League travel like back then? It was tough. It was tough. I mean, I'll just start off by saying I think I've made two trips from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, all the way down into uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, and had to play a game that night at 7.05. So, um, you know, you, 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 you journey yourself across the United States in, in, in many instances in this game, and it's never that easy. And uh, 
the toughest thing is the early morning bus rides to the airport because you always have to get that first flight out just so you're able to, in case there's a, a jam of some sort, you're able to get there that night for the game. But waking up at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, your eyes just burning and just uh, headaches from not getting enough sleep is never easy. And, and it's, it's tough to even get out there and play a game that night. But to do it for so long, man, you just become immune to it after a while. This is probably not a short answer, I guess. And you, so you, can, you don't have to be long with it if you don't want to. But what are a few things that you love most about this job? Because there's the layers of obviously getting to tell guys to go into the big leagues. But then there's like the, the competitor in you who wants to win a game that you're managing. And then you're trying to uh, wave a guy around third and he's safe at the plate. And there's like those immediate moments of, of joy. So sort of like the longer joys and the shorter term joys, what are some things that kind of fuel you every day? Well, I'll start by saying that, uh, you know, you, you start out with a 25-man roster and you make it a goal. I make it a goal is to get to know each and every one of these guys as best as I can, um, to have relationships with him, with them and, and to get to know what makes them click. Because um, the sooner I get to know what kind of makes them go and, and what makes them feel good, the more we're going to get out of that individual. So. Basically, it's the, the most important thing is to get to know each and every one. And it's a swinging door. I mean, th this door is open and closing all the time and guys coming and going all the time. So there's a lot of different people that you have to get to know. But that's, that is the most challenging, but yet the m most rewarding as well. Just to um, look at my phone list and, and yeah. to see each and every one of these guys uh, that have been on my roster for the last six or seven years is, is fantastic. The, the phone list goes on. And I still get phone calls um, daily from, from – you know, players that I've had and, and, and the relationships that I've built. And um, that, that, that's really been a great thing. And, and just to try to guide those kids in the right direction. And then, of course, I mean, getting the phone call from, from the top of the organization and, and sending a guy to the big leagues for the first time is, is a complete joy. And seeing the, the look on their face and not knowing exactly what's coming. But, uh, you know, those are two that, that really stand out. The tough ones, of course, are, are the ones that you have to call in the office and, and let them know that, uh, you know, their their job may not ever, you know, be, be needed with our organization anymore. And mm -hmm. that's that's releasing a player or sending a player down. That's never easy because they come here and put their heart and soul into what they what they love doing. And a lot of times the numbers get involved and we just have to make moves and make adjustments to our roster to make this club a little bit better. And they may not, may not be involved in it. So um, there's pros and cons to just about everything you do in this uh, in this in this job. But, uh, I, you know, I think the relationship that you build and the time you spend with uh, your coaching staff. Um, we're, we're a family. We're a close unit. We're around each other each and every day. We spend so much time together. Uh, we know just about everything about one another. We respect the time that we have um, with our families when we can. So um, having a close-knit coaching staff really helps. And the one that we have here this year is just fantastic. It's just great to be around. So those are some of the things that go on. Another behind-the-scenes question. Is your phone allowed to be turned off? Literally, can you? are you allowed to turn your phone off? Because that's another thing that people probably would be amazed to see just the different texts and emails and calls. There's so much back and forth between you and the Rangers this time of year. Yeah, I know. There's, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I just let it be known to the organization that uh, every Sunday for one hour when I go to church is the only time that I turn <laughs> my phone off. That's fair. Um, and, they, and, they, <laughs> and they're great. The, the, the Rangers, the Texas Rangers front office have been great. They've allowed so much flexibility with, with myself and the way I run a ball club and the trust factor that they have in me. It's, it's, it's been very nice. But they know that my phone is at my hip 24-7. Um, and they know, and I made a comment last night to one of our front office individuals saying that, you know, 
this is this phone's ready to go so you know it doesn't matter if i'm with my wife or with my family it's it's with me but there's that one hour of serenity that i have um on a sunday where i go to church and just don't worry about anything else you've got a wife and three daughters you are at least in the off season able to get away from the game a little bit in some of the ways you spend your time in the off season i think people would be interested to know how you kind of decompress it's you're still working in the off season but not in a baseball capacity where you can maybe take a deep breath in a different way yeah you know it's funny I, it, it it's almost like when i get home and the season's over with after i you know i go to finish off a major league season when our season gets done here I get back to Fresno and in, uh, in, in the heart of California, and uh, I go to work for my father-in-law, who uh, is, is big into onion farming, and uh, I spend a lot of time out on, on the farm, um, helping him out in many different aspects, um, and some of the uh, citrus that we have, um, and some of the onion farms that, that we have. So I'm away from the game, but yet I'm outdoors and really, uh, really love, enjoy doing that. And then, of course, I'm home in the evenings and the, while the, my girls are at school and the weekends we're always spending time together and I've got the girls who are in sports right now and love to play golf and lacrosse and I just love being a father and, and a good husband and being around them as much as I possibly can. Great stuff. Thank you for your time. I know you don't like talking about yourself so hopefully this wasn't too painful. Not too torturous <laughs> but uh, yeah you know that's that's the life and a wrap of Jason Wood and, and uh, you know at days in it's it's what I love to do. Good stuff, Woody. Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me. That is Sounds Manager Jason Wood. This has been another edition of Rounding Third, the Nashville Sounds podcast. Please join us again next time. Thank you for listening to Rounding Third, the official podcast of the Nashville Sounds. For more information about Sounds Baseball and this podcast, visit nashvillesounds.com slash podcast.